Hey, it's Josh Risden from the Socceroos, and you're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast. Here comes to K- Yes, exactly right. And I guess last night's exploits in the first game of the World Cup for 2018 made us feel that way. Bryce Conway, Alex Grant, hello guys. Ciao. Hey Stu. Here we are back again for episode three and plenty to talk about as per usual. So much. All right, so to get into it, the first game was last night. The biggest news, of course, in the World Cup at the moment. It kicked off last night and uh, what a rather eventful game it was from a Russian perspective. We all watched it together. We, um, I actually tipped Russia. You two tipped Saudi Arabia. So I got the chocolates there. No, I didn't. Very hey, <laughs> tipping comp at work, I back, I actually tipped Russia to win. So that's okay. So you've tipped both teams to try to get the win there, Bryce. Yes. But big game. Big game, of course, from a Russian perspective. A 5-0 victory. That doesn't happen much at a World Cup. But there's always bound to be drubbings. I suppose picking them is the hard one. Did you expect it to be in the first game of the tournament? Definitely not. Uh, I thought both sides were going to come into the tournament quite weak. There wouldn't be many goals, but uh, Russia proved me wrong for sure. Absolutely. Al, what about you? Yeah, Russia absolutely dominated, didn't they? I think they were just had a physical presence there and they just absolutely bullied the uh, the Saudi Arabians and that. And yeah, over, overhauled them in the end. Boys against men. It was. It was. Denis Cheryshev scored twice off the bench famously. Obviously, both his goals were actually ridiculous goals. The first one, the little dink over the rushing defenders oh. to then smash it into the top corner. Ooh, tasty. And then the second one with the outside of his foot from outside the box. Alex, you said it at the time. You think it could be goal of the tournament already? It's going to be up there. It's going to be up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's got yeah, obviously a whole tournament to play out. Remind me of uh, Unbelievable goal. techers, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. Reminded you of whose goal? Naboo's goal. That got goal of the season oh, for yeah. the Newcastle. To be honest with you, Naboo's was better. Ooh. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Further out, yeah. probably was, yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah, 5-0 victory puts Saudi Arabia in a fairly ominous position to get out of the group, which is, again, good for people that have tipped Russia. So Russia, Egypt, Uruguay, and Saudi Arabia in that group. Russia now with a goal difference of five and three points with two games to play. Puts them in a good position. Uh, the, other two, the other two teams will play tonight as well. But yeah, what did we make of the game, I guess, as a whole from an analysis perspective? Saudi Arabia played the ball well, but were just a bit slow and a bit sloppy in midfield, weren't they, Bryce? Yeah, I mean, they tried to play some really positive attacking style football. We were really digging it for the first five, ten minutes. They looked a the better team. They really they? did, but yeah. they just couldn't get out of midfield and into the final third. They lost the ball in midfield way too much with the uh, square balls, and it just really hurt them on the counter-attack, and Russia just powerhouse. They seem to um, be able to... Yeah, like play the ball, or play play the ball around the back line, but then just lose it in midfield. How? Yeah, they were, they were really sloppy. I thought. I think the the football they try and play is actually quite an attractive style. So they do play out from the back and they, they try to link up with the midfielders and then obviously move into the forward areas. But at times they were just way too sloppy and it was just absolutely killing them. So they were giving the ball away, and the Russians then were obviously went picking the ball up. They sat in a nice defensive block and then counted them and obviously got the five goals. And I think if you look look at a lot of teams in that region, they they lack the size and the stature. And the Russians, just if you look at every player... <laughs> the big just, men, aren't oh, they? Beasts. Huge. Com- yep. They're probably not that big, but, you know, compared to the, the, the Saudi Arabians, they, they looked a lot bigger. Well, so you think it's a, from a physical perspective, that's where the big differential is think, between I think Asian that, sides and European sides? I think that's where they won the game last night, definitely. And I think, yeah, that, that other teams who do lack that size um, are going to struggle. Yeah, I think it was that and just their... They had that 
clinical nature in that final third. Every time the Saudis attacked, you thought they were only good. They really were blunt up top, whereas the Russians, they looked like they were going to score in each counter-attack. So, yeah. yeah. Best players for Russia, Yuri Zhirkov of Chelsea, formerly of Chelsea, sorry, played really well down the left flank, Bryce. Yeah, I thought he was really composed. Every time he got the ball, you had confidence he was going to keep it or, you know, create something. So I thought he was really composed. And then, um, yeah, so I thought uh, him and uh, Cheryshev, who famously had <laughs> Real Madrid kicked out of Copa del Rey a few yeah, years ago for being an unregistered player, was yeah. a standout. Yeah, of course. So, obviously, we mentioned that Saudi Arabia played the ball well. They actually ended the game with 59% possession to Russia's 41. So, they clearly held the ball a lot, but really did nothing going forward. Nout. And it yep. always sort of break down. They didn't have an attacking threat the whole game either. I think, like, my standout player for the Russians was Yori Gazinski, was the eight and holding midfield. And he... Definitely, he was just one of those dominant players, got the first goal, but he picked up the crumbs well, I thought. He intercepted a lot of passes, and he got the ball, and he started the counter-attack well for Russia, and I think that was he was a massive part of the win. Yeah, he, yeah, he was that pivot. He yeah. was just that crucial. He didn't, won't get all the praise for being glamorous no, and everything, but he um he did the grafting, and he yeah, I thought he was great as well. Smolov as well played well. Golovin, the Russians sort of... I don't know. I, again, tipping him to get out the group. Akinfeev didn't really have much to do the whole no. game. It'll be Spectator, interesting to see really. what happens in their, in their second match. But definitely a good start to the World Cup. Plenty of goals, which is what we want to see. Um, and obviously, yeah, so that was the first game. But obviously, the action started before the match, guys. <laughs> big time. It was a big time opening ceremony. And our man, Robbie Williams. Oh, what a guy. Lit it up in his either snakeskin slash red leather, leather print <laughs> Cheetah suit. Cheetah print snakeskin <laughs> suit. Who can pull that off but the national treasure? Robbie Williams. <laughs> Robbie Williams, our man. I know Alex is a big fan of him, and you should have seen his face when, when <laughs> Robbie came on the screen. I, yeah, I couldn't believe he was performing. Here's one for you. My first concert that I ever went to <laughs> was a Robbie Williams concert, and I absolutely loved it. It was quality. Did, oh, you, play, did you play all the bangers? He like did. He, did he does play bangers, doesn't he? Like, I didn't see his... Uh, his undies though, what with the budgies that he wore in one of the <laughs> one of the uh, the videos he had with the Graphic. tiger on the front. Yeah. yeah, there was none of that. But it was yeah, it was a good concert. Obviously big big um big performance from Robbie. We uh, actually interviewed Daniel Garb from Fox Sports News and in the interview which you'll hear later in this episode, he said he didn't watch the opening ceremony, which to me is a big disappointment because he uh, missed a good performance but Robbie Williams is obviously in a bit of strife now because he's flicked the bird at the camera Bryce yeah a bit of a cheeky one to the cameraman just you know giving him the cheeky bird I don't know what that's about but that's delivered to billions of people around <laughs> the world so it'll be interesting to see the fallout from that I think it's because I've I read recently on the news that he has got a, a bit of a dispute with his next door neighbour with regards to some planning and I think he's building an ungr- underground <laughs> pool and gym next to his next door neighbour and I think it might have been aimed towards him. I think I don't know who his neighbour is, but he's some famous it's guitar a, player. It's the perfect stage to do so. I feel. Yeah. We're better than at the World Cup opening ceremony to Definitely give him, be give him the big ones. Yeah. I was, I was talking about it today with a guy at work, and we were just saying that, you know. People were t- thinking about, or like on the radio, they were talking about how he, the reasons behind him flipping the bird at the camera. But I reckon just him, he literally just put the finger up. Yeah, the I just don't think he was in his yeah, face. There was no thought or yeah. anything. It's just like have that. People what on the radio, bang. people on the radio today were getting all cryptic with their like, how they <laughs> how they thought the reasons behind <laughs> subliminal him. messaging yeah, and all that. Like, Ivan Etniage. Yeah, none of that. I just reckon he looked at the camera, fl- flipped the bird. But anyway, um, another interesting thing from the opening game was the. Vladimir Putin, obviously conversations, they kept flipping to Vladimir Putin, the FIFA president and the Saudi Arabia leader leader throughout the game, every time Russia scored, Bryce. Yeah, the crown prince and uh, Infantini of FIFA, <laughs> and then Putin just, you know, having a yarn, and every time a goal was scored, a bit of a shrug, and, didn't oh, se- uh, what, what do you want me to say here? Didn't then, seem yeah. like much was being said, did Oh, it? God, no. A lot of shrugging and hand gestures, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, 
look very awkward. I wonder what the actual what language I was speaking. You assume English, but I wonder if there wasn't even a language being Latin. Speaking. Latin. Man. Latin. Latin Can't confirm. <laughs> Can't confirm. Sign. Sign. <laughs> but I would say, how would you rate the start of the World Cup as success? Yeah? Yeah, definitely. I think the cheese platter that Granty put on was probably the biggest success did, of the night. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. For the 36-week age matured cheddar? I think it was 32. 32? Well, you know, wow. I didn't Semantics, all right. I just had the carrot sticks and the strawberry. <laughs> I'm just pointing that one out. <laughs> all righty. Tonight we have Egypt v Uruguay at 8 p.m. kickoff Perth time. Morocco, Iran on at 11 p.m. And Portugal, Spain at 2 a.m. Of course, this, is being, this podcast is being recorded at 6 p.m. on Friday afternoon, the 15th of June. So... Yes, but very good start to the World Cup. Huh? Western Standard Time. That's the one. As you're mouthing towards me. All right, moving on to some big news from the week. Probably the biggest piece of news from the week. Have you ever seen this happen before, guys? Julian Lopetegui from Spain. The, the Spain manager has been sacked after taking the Real Madrid job before the World Cup has finished. Spain have not wasted any time here and have got ridden, the, got ridden of the coach quite literally on the eve of the World Cup. What do we reckon, guys? So, oh, we'll start with you, mate. So Spain have seen it, the the board, the FA there, they've they've seen it as a, a disrespectful act, haven't they, towards the, the national team. That's what I take. That's why they've, they've sacked him. And I think it's a bit harsh, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> how many times did Real Madrid come knocking on the door? Do you know what I mean? So he's, he's seen that opportunity, took it. And I, to be honest with you, if it was, I was in that team, I wouldn't have a problem with him taking a job on the side whilst you whilst he's coaching the national team. I wonder where the, the blame lies, though. Did Real Madrid kind of cook him by releasing the news or it getting out there? Or, yeah, I just I feel like someone has something to answer to without that news leaking. But, well, um, what I'll do is I'll read you the uh, the quotes from the Spanish Federation president, uh, Luis Rubiales, and he says, We have been obliged to fire the national coach. We wish him the best. He's done an excellent job in getting us to the tournament, but the federation cannot be left outside the negotiation of one of its employees and find out just five minutes before a public announcement. If anybody wants to talk to one of our employees, they have to speak to us too. That is basic, and this is the team of all Spaniards. The national team is the most important we have. The World Cup is the biggest of all. So Seems like they just got blindsided. Florentino Perez from Real Madrid, the president, really going, you know, as he always does, <laughs> going and doing what he wants, it seems. Yeah, what he wants, when he wants, and he said it's an absurd reaction that he's been sacked. Perez has, Perez said, has that. said that. So he got, yeah, so he doesn't see the problem with it. I, th- I think it's just going to have a massive... I think it will have an effect on the team. I, I honestly do. I think there'll be... And, and then people will use it as an excuse and it'll be it'll be underlying. It'll be over the heads for the for the majority well, of the tournament, I think. Germany midfielder Tony Cruz disagrees and he says he does not believe Spain's chances at the World Cup have been hurt by this news, Bryce. And of course, I mean, they've appointed Spanish hero Fernando Hierro, who's obviously learnt all his coaching skills under Big Sam at Bolton during his playing day. So I think they're in good stead. What, the long ball? Yeah, Spain, long ball target, Spain, man. Spain, <laughs> Spain, the passing team, the revolutionary <laughs> nah, team. No, 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 I've been it. has been there for the last seven months with the national team. So at least they've brought someone in who's already been in the camp and they haven't brought someone from the outside. Yeah, there's some con- continuity That's there. That's it, yeah. yeah. So at least they've got someone in there who's yeah. in the squad. Yeah. But Al, from your experience, obviously getting rid of managers in any team disrupts the place. How much does it disrupt the place mid-season if that's happened to you? before i think the fact that they've changed it straight obviously they have to change it straight away so i think it, it, it that's where it varies differently from from like the domestic level usually you wait maybe a week or two or and then you that's when the they had a replacement straight away that's what i mean so, so you reckon that will maybe steady the ship a bit quicker yeah definitely because when there isn't a manager there and you oh who will it be you know like and everyone's word gets spread around and it's and that's when 
people start getting a little unsettled and it can affect performances and the way people act around the place. So I think, yeah, getting it done early doors, which they had to do anyway, is a, is a massive plus for them. What do you make of the decision, though? Did, I mean, Louis Van Gaal, did he... Correct me if I'm wrong here. I can't remember off the top of my head. Did he, had he agreed Man United's job during the World Cup? Uh-huh. A couple of years back, can you remember? Possibly, I know, but that's a similar scenario. But this happens. A, this happens a yeah. lot, where like, especially when it's like international and club management, you would have thought. I guess because he's gone behind the back and hasn't told, he hasn't been open and transparent, which that's is what you need to do with all your employee, employers, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's the difference. I just think they've been, as I said just before, he's been, they've been blindsided and they feel disrespected and they feel like they, it's an untenable position for him right now. Yeah. So, so you'd be, be annoyed be like me if you'd done your sweepstakes and done your tips before <laughs> this news. So yeah, if you have unlucky, <laughs> we'll get through it. Oh. But Moving on now, and I guess one of the biggest concerns of this World Cup, and we've touched on it, um, has been the hooliganism and that sort of side of it. But there's been some news break in the last half hour uh, uh, that, uh, that the Russian police have been ordered to withhold news of thefts, killings, and all sorts of crime that occurs in Russia, probably resulting because of the World Cup um, from the public. Which um, makes sense. Yeah, it I guess make sense. they no don't want to. They don't really. want to put a dampener on the on the tournament, and even on the show, it's yeah. But surely people need to know, like, nah, nah, all in good time. Yeah, but what what happens if someone? You can't say all in good time because what happens if someone from a you know what if someone is from the UK as we expect to happen and they die and then no, like family or people back home don't know about. Well, it. that's when point. it will get blown up. I think when it is when a foreigner is involved, then that's when it's become that's when it becomes news anywhere. When a foreigner is like killed or whatever overseas, that's when it becomes the news. So I think if it stays in house, like obviously it's a bad thing anyway. But I just I wonder, I just wonder how in house it can be. I just hope it doesn't. They don't have to withhold too much in the end. I hope there's just a just sweep it under the carpet. Free. It'll be all right. No, I just just hope it doesn't come to that. I guess, but yeah, not too uh, too shocking to hear that that's the case from them, though. Mm. Yeah, so I've got Vladimir Voronstov, who represents the Interregional Police Trade Union, told a magazine that there is a request from the ministry not to provide the media with negative information and to instead talk about solved crimes, detentions, and so on. So, Cooking yeah, the books. Yeah, under the books. I mean, it doesn't doesn't sit well with me totally, but no. I guess. Moving on, and similar to this, uh, Russia have actually banned fans involved in the Euro, t- uh, 20, Euro 2016 violence from the World Cup matches this time around. So I suppose all the hooligans and all the Russian gangs that were pre- uh, uh, prominent in the Euros the a couple of years back, yeah. they, in theory, won't be at the World Cup this time around, which should help. Yeah, we'll see if that actually is enforced and stuff happens. I hope it doesn't. I'm sure they'll sneak themselves in at some point. Yeah, yeah I think so. Did, one thing they did say last night, though, is the fact that, obviously, the, the English fans are renowned for causing the trouble with the Russians. They did say that the English fans, and there aren't as many this year. There's actually more Australian fans, or it appears anyway, than yeah. English fans. So that's obviously a sign that the English have Come taken, <laughs> taken it on board that we could get our butts whipped if, uh, if we got to Russia this year. Absolutely. So... Yeah, we'll have to watch this space. Nothing's happened yet. Let's hope nothing does happen. Touch wood. Yes. Uh, okay, we'll move on to some injury news now. And I suppose the three big ones is Kylian Mbappe, uh, Marcus Rashford, two golden boy potentials, and Manuel Neuer have all sort of been declared fit and are all telling people that they're fit, which is good for everybody, Bryce. Yeah, I think the Mbappe one had uh, had the uh, gossips going and the rumours swirling and fr- France done with this. But I think um, he was the tackle with Adil Rami. Um, and he couldn't continue training, but he was he resumed training the next day. He seems gravy, so I don't think there's any troubles there, and he s- still should be a hot favourite for the Golden Boy. It's all mind games, that's what it is. 
Yeah, you're yeah, a, yeah. I think staged. I, I think yeah, it's you know like the Mourinho, the Fergie, the <laughs> Wenger tactics that they've all <laughs> been known to well, use. Getting get the teams heads to change tactics massively because people read stuff and you know like the, where it gets around. Oh, he's injured. Or right. we've got the upper hand. You know, but it's all that's what it is. It's okay, are you saying that from experience? Is that does that happen at club level? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you see, you see things get said like I've had managers that have said things and I go well like oh he's injured or whatever and I'm going to admit he was training today but you know yeah. like if it's behind up closed doors is it purely from a tactical perspective that teams will do that I think it's just to psych psych the, other, the opposition out and you see it on team sheets on game day from a media perspective they'll give you a formation on it and it's definitely not what yeah. they play so there's even those little mind games before the game as trivial as that yeah um, but it'll be interesting to see we, do you think Rashford will start are they going to start with Kane, Sterling, and Rashford? That's what I want. I think that's what a few that people want. That sounds lethal. It's a dangerous front three. It is. But I, I don't know. He's coming he, off an injury. He hasn't been in the squad. don't know if he's going to start. I doubt he'll be there for England. Oh, no, no. I just mean like on the back of an injury, if he is injured, we don't know if he's going to be there. Probably more likely that he'll come off the bench. I think yeah. he's a massive impact player. He does the business at club level. Everybody, yeah, he does. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I if he, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he did start. It to be honest with you. So and him and those friendlies, he was amazing. That that goal from like twenty twenty five yards out, top bins, the elastico. He's just he's looking red hot right now, and I think he's really relishing this opportunity on the world stage. When's he gonna take over, man? You do you think? What do you mean? When's he gonna be the main man? Obviously, he's still really young. He's still got a bit of developing, hasn't he? He's still young. So. I just want him to play more. That's the thing. I just love watching him. I know there's rumoured that Martial will be leaving. Mm. Yeah. So that that could... Saw, photo, saw photos of him on holiday in Monaco. Oh, really? Living it up. Yeah, Living it up. Because he's not in the France squad for the listeners. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if Martial goes, then that's that's a boost for him. But, you know, they could sign Gareth Bale. or they, Well, they could sign whoever they want. But, yeah, look, Rashford, he's, I think he's going to do a bit in this World Cup. Mm. I mean, yeah, he'll be a, definitely an exciting prospect. Okay. All right, while we're on England, Jose Mourinho has come out and said England are capable of winning the World Cup, saying they have a good group. And they have a good group of young but experienced players. All of them play in the most competitive competition in the world, the Premier League, debatable amongst others in the world. All of them play for the best teams with experience of playing in the Champions League, which is a high level of football. Some would say a better level of football than the World Cup, but that's an argument for another day. What do you reckon? Do you agree with Jose here? Well, the group the group stage is definitely the easiest part for him, but you just look at the... If you get through to the round of 16, there's no easy games. You need luck. You need to play well every, every game. You know, there's a lot of things that contribute to winning the World Cup. And if you look at the squad, maybe, I don't know, they haven't got everything they need, but I hope they prove me wrong. Yeah, Bryce? Um, look, I think this is Mourinho just being Mourinho. Same just, things. Just going, being the devil's advocate and just, you know, saying something a bit controversial. But I think I think um, there is a bit more optimism to this side now. The more they've done the friendlies, they're looking a bit hot. So, mm. I mean, I think I've tipped them to make the quarterfinals. Yeah, I've tipped I them to get out of the group. Get, get, can't go late. Mate, if they win. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be the start of a new era. It'd be outrageous. Yeah. Uh, so, England's first game for everyone is on Tuesday, June 19. 2am Western time, so the night of the 18th, which is a Monday. Tunisia v England, match 14 at the World Cup. So, as we move on, I guess, aside from the current news, Mexico, US and Canada have been given the 2026 World Cup, which uh, will be a really, um, no, it'll be a a great spectacle for that area of the world. But Diego Maradona, our man, (laughs) 
everyone's favourite, says has come out and said, Mexico doesn't deserve the 2026 World Cup. There's no passion in the US and Canada. What do we reckon? Does, does anyone take his comment seriously anymore? <laughs> Honestly. So he said there's no passion. He said, and I quote, I don't like it. Mexico don't deserve it. The Mexicans come up against Brazil or Germany and boom, they're out. That's not the point though. There's no passion. The Canadians may be good skiers. And the Americans wanted to have four periods of 25 minutes for the advertising. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good shout, though. <laughs> he's got good banter, I'll give him yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's a spectacle, isn't it? And whoever can put on the best show at the end of the day. So I think fair, fair play to him. If they've obviously proven and given a, a worthy um, worthy bid, then they deserve it. Yep. I'd love to get his thoughts on the Qatar winning it. Like, seriously. He'll have got paid a shed yeah. load to, uh, probably to endorse sponsored. that one. Yeah, yeah. probably sponsored and everything. <laughs> so that's the best World Cup ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no further comment. <laughs> no further comment. And obviously Morocco are putting in a bid as well and that's sort of in the news now so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Diego Maradona still making headlines and, and he's 57 now. Now, staying on Argentina, so a few days back, two days ago now, but I thought this was Quirky news, um, nine prisoners in an Argentine prison have gone on a hunger strike to press authorities to repair the cable TV so they can watch the World Cup. The inmates at Preto Madryn Jail, based in the province of Chubut, if that's right, 800 miles south of Buenos Aires, wrote a letter by hand to a local judge to declare their protests over the cable system, which is damaged, hasn't worked for the past three days. The local court then posted a letter on its website and on social media. Argentina faced Iceland on Saturday. Right. Doesn't that just go to show... The hysteria that follows this competition. Mm. I you, mean, you never gets, see that in Australia. Oh, it just gets everyone up and about. Mm. Oh, no, it's good. So that is, that's huge. That's huge from them. It's what you love to uh, hear. And there's a photo of the, the letter. Obviously, it's written in Spanish, so we don't know what it says. But okay, pasa. Pretty funny stuff. Um, all right, moving on. Now, Oscar Tabarez has come out. Uruguay coach Oscar Tabarez has come out and said Euro, uh, Luis Suarez is more mature since 2000 since his 2014 bite against Italy. You'd hope so. Are there going to be any crazy moments from Luis Suarez? I wonder. Let's so hope, hard to let's, say. Well, let's hope he's had a full meal before he plays. That's all I'll say. Well, yeah, of course he had that handball against Ghana, and then the next World Cup he chews Chiellini's AC joint off. So. I, I, was there a World Cup without some Suarez controversy? Yeah. I hope so. Mm. Keeps it interesting. Yes, of course we do. Love he loves a nibble. Mm. He's going to score a few goals as well. Maybe he's a golden boot. Bangers. All right, we're going to move on to Australia. We cover Australia broadly with Daniel Garb in our interview later on in the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But we'll touch on Tim Cahill. If Tim Cahill scores in this World Cup, he will become one of four people, one of four players ever in the history of the game to score in four World Cups. Alex, am I correct here? You are. So... Miroslav Klose, UA Sealer, and of course Pele, the other three. If, um, Miroslav Klose, Eusebio. Sealer, I said. Yes. Oh, Listen, Stuart. Sorry, come, come on, on mate. I misheard you there. Go on. And Pele. And Pele. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that would be that'd be massive to be uh, in the realms of those those greats. So. Uh, and I can't wait for him to do the hashtag gang, hashtag goals for his uh, Instagram when he does that. So, that's what I'll be looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to see Timmy K. He'll take a few more selfies if he gets this one. But... Will he start? Or will he get enough opportunities to... That's the only question. Whether he's going to... He's, I don't think he's going to start now. He's just no. got to that age and he's not as sharp as what he once was, even though he is still a great player. Mm. And I think... But he's perfect. That's what I mean. If if things aren't going the soccer is way, on, he is, goal. he's the best impact player. Perfect I've been playing against be. him last season and he comes on for the last 10 minutes or so and... 
that's all you think about. He's got that that reputation behind him as well, so you you're kind of wary of him. You're always looking where he is, and he pulls off shoulders, and he's he's just got that awareness, and he knows where to be at the right time, and all that, right. that can be massive. I want to know a little bit more about him as a player, seeing as you've played against him. What's it actually like playing against Tim Cahill? Is he like physical, or is he? Um yeah, what's what's he like? Like, what's he like to play against? Yeah, he definitely he, he puts his body about. He's just street smart. He he knows, like I said, he knows what to do. He knows where to be. Is he, he knows, vocal? Um, yeah, a little. Like he, yeah, not not massive. Just like any other player, I guess. Not like I didn't notice that that a lot came out of him. But you know, he you know he's there. I've talked to a few of the Glory Boys about him. They said he chats quite a bit on the field. Not yeah. not like outwardly vocal, but just like little chats. Yeah, yeah, mainly at the ref. Yeah, right. <laughs> is, he is he really? Yeah, he's, yeah but that's good. Like, that's that's good. Anyone is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Does he, um, what's so he, you just obviously worried about him scoring a header, but he comes on and he does make an impact because everyone's obviously thinking about him more. Yeah, he's, look, he's got that pedigree, so you know he's mm. like, that's like good players come from good leagues and you know that that's, that'll be in the back of anyone's mind that, oh, this guy's good. And then, I don't know, not Timmy Cahill, but like other players, you you look at where they've been sometimes, and if they are a good player, and then you and then after the game, you that's when you turn around and go, "How's he played there? He's yeah. rubbish." You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's still in my pocket, kind of thing. Like, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Cahill, like I said, he's he's just great, a great asset to have. Yeah, and Daniel Garb touches on him, and like I say, he'll be coming up. That interview with him will be coming up later in the podcast. But all right, it's time. That's the news. We're gonna we're gonna leave it there, but we're gonna go into our new segment here. This is brought to you by Alex Grant himself. This is the Alex Grant Quiz. It's time for Grant's Quiz. Hello, the listeners. Today on Grunty's Quiz, we have Stewie Davis, a 23-year-old playground designer whose interests include the great outdoors, swings, and watching the sunset. And beside him this evening, we have B-Boy Conway, a 24-year-old dolphin trainer who tries to play on the left wing for UWA at Netherlands on a Saturday Saturday morning. How are we, boys? Good, mate. I am uh, so much better after that. Exceptional, exceptional intro. Thank you. Great to have you here. Yeah, no, right. thanks for being here. Thanks for having us on. No, no problem. Um, should we crack on with the quiz? Yeah, so what, what, what is the quiz about, mate? Basically, the quiz is about the World Cup, various questions that include, obviously, questions about the World Cup, questions about Socceroos, you know. It was, it's a quick-fire one, so we won't go too bang, long. Bang, bang. But for the listeners at home, if you want to join along, get a pad, Get a pen, you know, that'll be great. See how you go. That's it. So off we go. Let's do it. What do you right then. Question one. <laughs> Prior to this year's World Cup, there has been four tournaments since the turn of the century. Can you name the golden boot winner for each tournament? Okay. Um, all right. So Miroslav Closer. Four. Hamas uh, Rodriguez was in four years ago. Hammers uh, of Rigos was Brazil. I think. Is this just World Cups or international to- tournaments? Since the turn of the century. Okay. So there's been four World Cups. I want to know. Ronaldo, 2002. Boom. Thomas Muller, 2010. Yes. Oh, two. Ding, ding. Oh, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yep. Bit of late than ever. Oh. So you still... We got three. You've already... You've, um, what was the other one you said? I said Miroslav. And Ronaldo. So I said Ronaldo, 2002. Right, you've named them all, so I'll give you them there. Okay. Ronaldo 2002. Ding. 
Miroslav Klose, 2006. Yep. Thomas Muller, 2010. And James Rodriguez, 2004. Well done, boys. Smashed it. Rodan, Rodan, Rodan. Great start. Question two. What is the name of the stadium that played host to last night's opening game between Russia and Saudi Arabia? And you'll get a bonus point if you can spell it. Start, does it start with an M? No. Oh. <laughs> Come on, boys. You watched it in my house. You oh. should get this one. <laughs> Granty Superdrome. Yeah, really uh, <laughs> I've got no clue. Oh, I've been set by mate. Sorry. We're going to have to... I'll give you the answer. That's it. It was Luzniki Stadium, and it is spelled L-U-Z-H-N-I-K-I. -I. Right. That was the only one, only stadium at this tournament that I actually knew, and I didn't even throw it out there. Never mind. I, I I'm so sorry, Stu. I'm so that. sorry. Right. Here's another question. Question three, and this will this will be good to see if you were watching the opening ceremony last night. So my man, Robbie Williams. Your man. Headlined this year's opening ceremony. Can you name me the first song in his headline act? Oh, it was... Uh, let, let me entertain. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was what I was going to say. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well done, Bryce. Thank you. There What's the score, Al? Oh, Bryce is <laughs> warping you, man. <laughs> Question four. What player has made the most Socceroos appearances in the World Cup? Well, you... Tim Cahill is the obvious choice. That's the choice. obvious choice. But I don't think it is. No. Huh? Who's been the four World Cups? Schwartz has been there. Um, oh. Bresciano. Boom. <laughs> Bresciano. No, nah, I wouldn't have got that. I'm flamey. Marco Bresciano, really? Yeah. How many? Na nine appearances he's made. There you go. Is that all? Yeah, nine. Well, oh, it's, still, it's not bad effort. Three World Cups. <laughs> nine start. more than me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Cahill might break that this time around. Let's hope. Question five. How many goals did Spain concede in the 2010 World Cup? Now, I've got a few options. Was it A, 2, B, 4, or C, 6? Okay. I, I know they lost a game in the build-up to winning that World Cup. It was Switzerland if I'm... I think I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I think it's... Come on, there's $50,000 on the line here, Bryce. Uh, 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 it's a blue wire. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with... Stu, do you want to take this one? Do you re repeat the question, please? Oh. How many goals did Spain concede in the 2010 World Cup? Was it A, 2, B, 4, I'm gonna or go four. C, 6? Locking in for... Oh, no. <laughs> the correct answer was 2, A. Wow, how's two that? 2 goals. So, Italy conceded 2 in 2006 in Germany, and France were the first team to do it, concede the least amount of goals in 1998, also conceding two. So the three teams of all can share you, that can record. Can you just confirm a fact for me? Italy's, they're not, they're not in the World Cup, are they? No. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, just, just for our Italian our listeners there. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. Here we go. This is a toughie. So get this one ready. Who am I? <laughs> I began my professional career for Ajax in Holland and later moved to the Premier League in London in 2013. I have represented my country 78 times, scoring 22 goals. I was the youngest player at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, and I am playing in this World Cup in Christian Russia. Christian Eriksen. Bang. He's back. Look at him. 
How is that? Straight in there, Stu. Well done. I think he's leveled the scores a bit there. That was great. I thought that was quite a tough one, but you did quite well. I wouldn't well, go I... that far, guaranteed. Let's not jump to conclusions. You've done your research. <laughs> Question seven. The World Cup was founded in 1930 with Uruguay hosting and winning the inaugural tournament. There is only one country to have featured in all 20 World Cups. Can you name that country? Brazil. Megan. Far out. I, I think, I think he's just took the lead here, I, Bryce. I, I think he's not even giving the listeners a chance to he's answer not, themselves. Yeah, he's just getting a bit carried away, <laughs> as asked you. Anyway. He's up on the dings. Three questions left. Question eight. This year's World Cup mascot is called Zabivaka. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but can you tell me what animal it is? Is it a bear? Oh, husky dog. Uh, I haven't seen wolf. it. Wolf. Oh, I don't know. Bang. It's a wolf. There you go, Wolf. There you go, another ding for you, bro. Wolfie. Question nine. Name the English referee officiating at this year's World Cup. Michael Oliver. Oh, he, he did the World Cup semi. Oh, oh, not going to be Clattenburg. He doesn't do it anymore. Nah, he doesn't. Oh, Andre Mariner. No way. Nah, nah, nah. It's going to be a Madly brother. Do you want the answer? Yeah, go for it. There isn't one. Ooh. It's a Ooh. trick question. There you go. I thought I'd throw a little curveball in there. And there isn't a, an There's English no English referee. In this year's World Cup, no. A and no Aussie either. No, well, that's kind of expected. But, I mean, an English referee, that's just, yeah. Yeah. That's a surprise. Interesting. All right, wrap us up, L. Right, question 10. The tournament will run for just under a month, but how many games are there in total? Is it A, 58, B, 61, or C, 64. All right, well, B is an odd number, and there's even teams. <laughs> there's no way that can be A, 58, and... <laughs> You've absolutely kidding me. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, go oh, on. Keep no. going. Um, it's, uh, that was the trick, you know. 64. We know this one, 64. There you go, 64. Yeah, we well done, boys. So, yeah, that concludes Granny's quiz. I think we did all right, boys. You just did, yeah, yeah, you just did well, boys. I'm Thanks for showing it. us the answers on those flashcards, by the way. Yeah, that was no, great. Yeah, no yeah, problem, yeah. Cheers, cheers, cheers. cheers. <laughs> 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 Alrighty, that's uh, that's Grindy's quiz new segment. Let us know how we went. But boys, that's us done. We are gonna play our interview with Daniel Garb now. That's coming up next on the podcast. We discuss everything to do with Australia and uh, the current state of the Russian camp. But that's uh, episode three of the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast, guys. Thanks for being here. Cheers, you. Thanks, mate. Uh, give us a bit more than that, Al. Cheers. Cheers, you. <laughs> Bring on tonight. Three yes. more games. Three whoop, more whoop. games. Come on, I'll you lot. Quickly just tell listeners who the games are. If you listen to this podcast tonight, Egypt, Uruguay, 8 p.m. Western, Morocco around 11 p.m. and Portugal, Spain, 2 a.m. And the tips. So we'll do some tips quickly for the games tonight. I'm going to go uh, Uruguay over Egypt. Salah's not going to get it done here. Al? Definitely Uruguay. Yep. Uruguay. Bryce. Yep. I'm tipping 3-1 to Uruguay. Morocco or Iran, probably our first rogue matchup of the week where we're going to try and jazz this uh, matchup up. You pulled the short shorts, too, so you're yeah, watching I'll that one tonight. I'll bring, yep. I'll bring the report. Morocco or Iran, I'm going to go Morocco. Yeah, me too. I yep. prefer this okay. squad. Well, yeah. I'll go the other way and I'll go Iran. Ooh. Here we go. Portugal, Spain. This is the big one. Spain on the back of their turmoil this week. Are they going to get it done? They're going to get it done. A bit of adversity. They got quality in that squad, and I just, I just don't rate. Even when Portugal won the Euros, I still don't rate them. Mm. I know what's going to happen. I can already see it. I'm going to get up at two. Well, I'm not even going to get up. I'm going to watch all the games tonight. I'm going to be there nil at two a.m. in the morning, and it's going to be nil nil. Yep. Yes. And then I'm going to go up at four in the morning, <laughs> and I'll be absolutely raging at Ronaldo and all oh. those. Like, oh mate, yeah, can't wait for it. Alrighty, Portugal, Spain. I'm going to go with Portugal. Ronnie's going to score. 
two as well. Put himself right in contention for the golden boot. But thanks again, guys. Daniel Garb's interview is coming up next. Now we have Daniel Garb from Fox Sports News who was stationed in Russia for the length of the World Cup covering Australia. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Thanks uh, for having me, boys. Nice to be with you. I'm currently at just outside the Socceroos Hotel as we speak, walking past uh, the posters that adorn the pitch, uh, you know, cheering them on and reminding them of the great Socceroos memories. Hopefully they can create some, a few more here in Russia. Yes, of course. How's it been? What's the vibe been uh, like where you've been in Kazan? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, the Aussies just arrived in last night, so obviously they've taken over town. It's a beautiful city. It's pretty quiet, it must be said. It's... Uh, yeah, lots of cool places to see. Sometimes you wonder why there aren't more people here. But now the Aussies are in town. That's all changed, obviously. They've uh, run things up dramatically, as they always do, and uh, and taken over the place and created a good vibe. So it's buzzing now. It'll be a, a really big day and uh, and night leading into the game. Ah, that's good to hear. What's your take on the squad so far, Garby? I mean, they've, they've seemed to have gelled pretty well. They seem to be in a pretty good frame of mind. I think we're looking at a couple of positions in the, uh, the first 11 that... Uh, you know, it's still up for debate. Does Miller yet an act start? That's going to be a big story. My, my feeling right now is that he's probably, you know, on the outer in terms of that. He might be able to work his way in. We'll have to wait and see. Does Andrew Naboot lead the line or does Tom Juric get the role? And, uh, and Daniel Lazani, is he still just an impact player? I think he will be used off the bench rather than from the off. So those are the things we've been talking about. But the squad's been uh, gelling pretty well. It's all been about Atletico Australia, boys. That's what Bert Van Marwijk wants from these Socceroos to... Uh, to turn them into Atletico Madrid, a team that obviously works so hard and, and punches above their weight every time they take the field and every season, really, against the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid, who have better personnel. That's what he's hoping from this team. Hey, it's Granny here. Garby, how are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Good to hear from you, Granny. How are the, uh, how are the A-League boys getting on? Yeah, doing well. Josh Risden's done well, hey? You'd, you'd have played with him, obviously, at, uh, at Perth, and I dare say you're pretty proud of the way that he's, uh, he's carried himself. I mean, he's nailed down the right-back spot and uh, he'll start there almost certainly against France. It's going to be a massive test for him, obviously, up against the likes of Mbappe and Griezmann and, uh, and several others, Osmani Dembele, if he starts as well. So he's going to have his work cut out, but he deserves it because that right-back spot was up for grabs, and, uh, and he's nailed it, I think, based on his first-half performance against the Czechs. He's really fit. I think he's lost a couple of kilos since he... Uh, since he left Perth, and uh, that's probably made all the difference. That's hard work considering he had his wedding as well. Yeah, and he had to cancel his honeymoon. So yeah. uh, I think he set up the wedding, and he knew that he'd be he'd be all right for that. But he thought, oh, because he wanted, obviously wasn't one of those players that was guaranteed for the World Cup. He thought I might be in the mix, but I could miss out. So uh, look, if there's one excuse that uh, his better half is going to cop for missing the honeymoon, it's probably making the World Cup squad. <laughs> and Garby, do you think it's good to see a lot of the boys, a handful of players, have come through the A League and why they started the careers? Oh, it's fantastic. It's a massive endorsement for the A-League. I mean, you look at Aaron Moy, Tom Rogic, Tommy Urich, Matt Ryan. Uh, I mean, they all came through all came through the A-League and have done so well. And Daniel Lazzani is the boy wonder of the team. He's someone that everyone's talking about at this World Cup, not just Australians. I get asked by you know, English journos and people from around the world, tell us more about this kid. We're hearing such good things. So, you know, he's an A-League product as well. So, you know, when people are, are negative about the A-League sometimes, it's, it's really annoying. But all you have to say to them is, look at our players, our top players. They all came from the A-League, went to leagues overseas, and not only did they not miss the beat, they probably went up a level. And uh, if the A-League wasn't up to standard, they wouldn't have been able to do that. So I think it's a huge credit to our local league. Hi, Gabby. It's Bryce here. Thanks for joining us, mate. Um, just on our Zani, I mean, we uh, audaciously tipped him to be our golden boy for the tournament. Um, first episode, I think it was. But, I mean, there's a real hype around him, and he seems to be that one of the biggest prospects and talents we've had since, I dare say, Harry Kuehl. Is is the global media starting to latch onto that? Yeah, big time. Uh, 
as I said, a lot of people are asking about him. They want to know more about him, especially the English, of course, because of the connections to uh, to Man City. And the players and the coaching staff know it as well. They know it to an extent where they're actually trying to keep him on his feet. You know, he's a, he's a kid who's got, you know, a reasonable ego for 19 years of age. And why wouldn't you with, with his talent? And, and you wouldn't want to take that away from him because it's the reason why he backs himself so much. But, uh, you know, the players have been pretty keen, I think, to, uh, to put him back on his feet on a fair few occasions. No doubt, Grant, if you're around, if you'd have enjoyed the, uh, being given free license to do that as a defender, a couple of defenders <laughs> have taken matters into their own hands in that regard. But it's all about trying to just uh, harness his ego and keep him on a, a level footing because uh, there is a danger that he gets ahead of himself. So people like Tim Cahill around as a mentor, hopefully that won't be the case. Yeah, definitely. And just in terms, I remember reading Scott Jamison's article this week on Player's Voice about him being cheeky a few times. Is that something that the squad enjoys and it, you know, it increases that atmosphere around the camp at the moment? Yeah, no doubt. You've got to allow him to, uh, to be who he is and, uh, and express his natural personality, just not just respect anyone. And I think a couple of times I've had to keep him in check. But uh, now there seems to be a really good spirit around the team. There's a family feel to it. Um, and hopefully that'll make all the difference. And that's sort of been the mantra from Bert and, and the players is that, yeah, we can't match France for talent, nowhere near. But, uh, you know, if we are a unified team and linked together on the field and they're off their game for whatever reason, we can get a result. And the same against Denmark and Peru. So they're trying to, uh, to take advantage of that as best they can. Now, Garby, are you going to tip the Aussies to get out the group? Yeah, I will. I don't know if we'll have enough to get a point against France, but uh, a 2-0 loss is better and the goal difference is intact and then a win and a draw against Denmark and Peru, whichever way it works out. Who cares? I don't know. But uh, four points, we'll get through on goal difference. And in terms of last night, obviously the opening ceremony in the first game, what did you make of the whole uh, ceremony and occasion and what did you actually make of the Russia v Saudi Arabia match? I don't think I've watched a World Cup opening ceremony ever. Like I just, I've never cared one jot about it. To me, it's just absolutely irrelevant. Like you're just yeah. waiting for the game to start. So yeah, exactly. I actually didn't watch it. I was walking to the pub, missed that, got there in time for uh, for kickoff, and uh, and yeah. I mean, look. To be honest, I thought it was a very ordinary World Cup opener in terms of the quality of football. Like it was walking pace at times. It yeah. really was quiet and. Uh, you know, Russia took their chances. Credit to them. Saudi Arabia were absolutely honking. And uh, hopefully that gives us some encouragement that Bert Van Nowak is a master coach because how he qualified that group of players based on their performance last night, I have no idea. Yeah, they couldn't really keep the ball and clearly you're not a Robbie Williams fan. <laughs> well, yeah, well... <laughs> I don't mind, Robbie. It's just for me, I just never look forward to the World Cup. I, I, I never even know what's on. I never... Yeah. I, like no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, about the, about the football. Yeah, well just, well, just on the game, it seemed to be a bit of a case of boys against men out there. The, the Russians were just physically dominant and were able to kind of capitalise that on the counter-attack. Uh, are the Russian fans a bit more optimistic about their chances now or they're not reading into it too much considering the opposition's uh, display? A bit more, but to be honest, they're coming off a really low base. There isn't much enthusiasm from a footballing point of view from the locals, it must be said. It's pretty disappointing. I think the opposition fans are creating some atmosphere and the Aussies certainly did last night. But the Russians, they just don't really care that much. If they get out of the group, things might start to lift. But honestly, if it wasn't for the opposition teams, you wouldn't even know a World Cup was on in Russia right now outside of Moscow. Moscow's a bit different. But in a city like Kazan, it was almost lethargic at times last night, the support for the locals, which right. yeah, is a shame. Absolutely. All right, Garby, you're a busy man, so we've got to let you go. Who's your tip for the World Cup this time around? Oh, look, France are right up there. Uh, I'm not too sure about their ability to unite. I, I think I'm, I was on France the whole way through, and I'm just leaning to 
Brazil or Germany. Brazil, Germany, France are my three that I think uh, are the standouts. I'll go with Brazil. I think they might be able to click all over the park and take it out. Yes, just like me. Anyway, thank you so much for your time today here on the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast. Daniel Garp from Fox Sports. Thanks, guys. And that's it from us here for episode three of the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast. Once again, we'll be back in the coming days to discuss all the latest happenings in the FIFA World Cup of 2018.